When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. Let me talk. Let me talk. Let me talk. Let me talk. One, two, three, points from three Champions League games leave City on the brink of qualification from the group and not a moment too soon given the Premier League fixture list coming up. And all three games are finished 3-1 as well. Who doesn't love a little bit of consistency? This is Let Me Talk. I'm David Mooney. With me is the Athletic City correspondent Sam Lee. Consistent as ever, Sam? Uh, I'm worried it's going to be very consistent with all the other podcasts (laughs) that we do every three days, yeah. Um, Yeah, no, I, I feel like there's some new... Uh, newish topics to talk about tonight. Um, yeah, plenty on the performance itself, plenty away from that as well. Um, I thought it was a good game, yeah. to be fair. Should we get to it? Um, I mean, the, the place I was going to suggest we start, um, and I don't know about you, but it, it just kind of feels like the natural starting point for me was uh, simply the performance of Rico Lewis. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I didn't think it was the the obvious place to start. Um, oh, okay. And I was, <laughs> I've stumped you there to, to begin with. <laughs> well, no, but also like, so it's the reason I'm kind of so stumped is because, so we're recording this shortly after full time. Um, I'm going to write my article afterwards, but I thought I was looking. I was like, obviously, like I said, it was a good game. We'll talk about all the different things in the game that I liked, but there was no one real thing that massively stood out. But I did pick Rico Lewis in the end, partly because. I've got so much stuff like that I can just kind of copy and paste into the article. It makes it makes my life a lot easier, and I can go to bed a lot sooner. <laughs> um, but like, obviously, Lewis was worthwhile, and the whole kind of premise for the article is. So, in terms of the game, once so, City were good overall. Anyway, this is going to be one of those pep answers where he actually did it as well when he was asked on TNT about Rico Lewis. He gave like one sentence about him, and it was good, and then he just talked about everything else. And it was like, oh, I could have really done with some more Rico Lewis stuff there to just bosh straight in the article. But so he made seven changes, having previously said and recently said, you know, the best way to do it is two to three changes. Um, otherwise, you know, if you lose a bit too much rhythm. But before the game, when he was asked about it, he said, it's good to get everyone involved at the start of the season. Um, we know, obviously, they're out of the Carabao, so there's fewer opportunities for players like Nunes, um, maybe even Rico Lewis as well. Um, to play and obviously at the end of the season after January those opportunities kind of dry up anyway don't they so good opportunity to get everyone in made a load of sense um, and with that being said considering the kind of change in rhythm from having so many changes the the big players important players who are on the bench they were still absolutely fine good performance again uh, I had the same feeling as I did 
against Red Star because I was kind of like that Red Star goal is irrelevant almost like City will just be fine after half time they played really well um, and it felt like that at half time obviously they didn't even concede either it was just this is alright they're doing what they need to do I'm sure they'll be alright and ultimately they were but then when they made the subs and Docker was Docker was good um, Nunes less so but we'll, we'll, we'll come to that when they made the subs and Bernardo and Alvarez came on it was just like oh, this is just a bit more comfortable a lot more comfortable it just looked it just looked like things had clicked and even though it was fine before pretty good before it just looked better yeah it, this, but it was a classic sort of City setup after that wasn't it it was like the, yeah the, it was it, it was what you trust it was the City setup you trust I guess yeah, exactly. But also, like, in terms of players you trust as well. So we've obviously been very... We've spoken about Alvarez on every podcast, but, I mean, how could you not? If you do a City podcast on every City game, then you're going to talk about Alvarez. Um, but obviously, at the start, we were like, oh, I wanted to see a bit more from him, and that was because we expected more, and then he started to deliver it. But I, I suppose there's still an element of seeing it through the prism of, well, he's not De Bruyne or is he? And, like, sometimes he's great in games, and then he kind of goes missing for a bit, and he's got so many uses in the game. He's brilliant. But then when he when he comes on tonight, it goes back to that trust. You think, oh yeah, like you could take for granted. Okay, maybe he's not to Bruyne, but he really he really is quality, and we know his quality. But he's kind of it's just that those levels of trust, isn't there? Like Nunes is new. There is especially after some of his performances. To be fair, basically the Wolves one and this one, he's not going to have much trust. Like we know that there's tears in the City squad of players who don't have much trust. Um, and like Akanji seems to be towards the bottom of that and Grealish for some people as well um, but then yeah with with Alvarez you'd think oh like he's he's quite high up on that on that list he kind of spent so long looking at him through the prism of not being De Bruyne that you kind of overlooked the fact that he's there and then where I bring this back to Rico Lewis is you realise that Lewis is fairly high up that list as well you know like and for an 18 year old like look there's other players on that pitch who, for me, I have the exact same look. Oh, look, Rodri, obviously, obviously. Grealish, obviously. Mm. Diaz, obviously. Um, Edison, obviously. But, like, Lewis. And, okay, is Lewis going to play the derby at the weekend? I wouldn't imagine so. Never know, though, do you? He's certainly in that bracket of players where if he's named in the starting lineup, I don't think anyone's going, oh, that's a, that's a major shock. It, it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, <laughs> I, I think I, I introduce you to Sky Sports. Well, yeah, okay. But I, I, think, it's, I think it's of the level of... Not expected, but at the same time, kind of like not one that's going to like knock you off your feet when you see it, sort of thing. Uh, well, I don't know. I Unless you Sky Sports, but also, but also consider like Kyle Walker is just not allowed to be dropped now, is he? Like after all that courting in the summer and getting him to stay, like yeah, yeah. Kyle Walker can't be left out now, so he's probably not going to play in the derby. But and like in terms of those le- those tears of trust, like in terms of Guardiola. He explained it himself brilliantly towards the end of last season when he was like, look, and how much he talks about him. I mean, he loves him and he thinks he's great. But, you know, you know, he's going to go with players with more experience. So Lewis isn't towards the top of that list. But again, it kind of puts it into perspective when you see new players like Nunes and also Kovacic who struggled a bit. And these are understandable reasons. But then you think, oh, yeah, Lewis is, he really is to be trusted, you know. And also the fact that he's 18... It's so young, isn't it? Because even like the young players for City, and obviously Foden came through when he was very young, but normally when you talk about young players at City, they're like 19, but normally they're more like 20. Like Palmer, Bob, they're 20. And you think, okay, that's young. That's that's the young City Academy player. By the time they get into the team for Pep, they're normally like 19, 20. 
plot Lewis was 17 and now 18 when he's in it and just to be making those performances and to be one of those players where you don't think oh this guy needs to come off it's that he doesn't look young it's that's incredible it. really uh, what in terms of how he plays yeah yeah I mean as, no, like, in terms of his face yes he looks young because he's young but <laughs> like in terms of his performance no no he's, he looks like an, a seasoned pro yeah I wonder, I wonder if that's because of the position he plays in as well because I suppose a lot of young players who, who break through are generally wingers and forwards and like players who play those kind of roles generally have to be a bit more mature and they don't obviously always get in the Premier League anyway because um, you think about Germany there's there's a lot and there was obviously Bellingham and there's now Musiala and that kind of thing um, but you, you generally don't see younger players definitely at City in those kind of more I don't know responsible roles of defence in midfield and stuff and yeah he certainly he doesn't he doesn't play like a youngster in that he does have a very kind of mature game doesn't he and yeah, he's just he's just very good. So yeah, I I wouldn't have thought it was the obvious place to start. But then, like I say, I did choose him for my article. But also when he came up on TV and they said he got man of the match, I was like, okay, because I wouldn't have said he was man of the match as much as I thought he was good, which is kind of interesting way to to rank it. Yeah, but I don't know who I would have thought was man of the match. To be fair, yeah, my oh, Rodri, Rodri was fucking great. My gut instinct was was Lewis, but I can I could buy the argument for Rodri as well. I'm not uh, I'm not going to sit here and, and disagree too much with that. Um, we mentioned him a few weeks ago, um, but uh, Archie Ryan took the uh, the Mad Jackets guy from Germany. Yeah, yeah. Um, messaged me just after full time uh, to say uh, Rico Lewis Ballon d'Or signed me up. Um, Somebody's already created a compilation of his performance, uh, like "fuck me," and it's just like, yeah, that's oh, really? that, that, that's that's where it is. And it's like when you, I, I know people go overboard on YouTube and create compilations of fucking everything, but like he's a he's a defender. That's that's having compilations made of him, and he's eighteen. Yeah. It's just like it's it's the well, I mean, so much. I mean, being made of him, that's just football Twitter now. Like you say, it is, but I suppose it's the content. Yeah, and I bet I bet it was tidy as hell. Yeah. I bet I bet the content of that compilation was just very tidy, but also like, and this is it's it's not necessarily new, um, but I really noticed tonight just how good he is because we talk a lot about you know getting the ball and Guardiola's talked about his movements and his decisions on the ball and when he plays inside, he's one of those players who can give you control in a game, but he can carry it forward very well, can't he? He can progress the ball up the pitch very well. It is kind of. Like Bernardo in that sense, Bernardo can give you that kind of powers of quality, but you know he can dribble, and he's obviously not quite as good a dribbler as Bernardo, but he can he can certainly move up the pitch with it yeah. in the way that we were kind of talking about Kovacic and Nunes being able to. Yeah, and I mean the the other side of it is uh, we've been talking a lot about kind of different different styles for City. Uh, the ball carriers were out in force again uh, tonight, and hmm. it's. Hmm. Yeah, that's 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 an interesting noise because that's kind of the noise I was feeling. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, well, the thing is with Kovacic, he is a ball carrier, but like I just said about Lewis and Bernardo, like he can, he can do the more Gundo and David Silva style of get the ball and give it. But I just don't think he's not. It's not because of his style. I just don't think he's playing particularly well. Um, I say at the moment. Maybe I'm just extrapolating this game and the Arsenal game. Is that enough to be at the moment? Maybe it is. Um, but yeah, like. He started off really well, didn't he? Kovacic looked like he'd settled in straight away. Um, now that doesn't look like the case. Uh, like it's 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 slightly weirder because he's had more games than Nunes. Like you look at Nunes and he's he's not had many at all. 
and confidence has had more. Um, it's kind of ironic because the first four games, I'm doing another article for the weekend and I've said this before, but City were just kind of looking to survive until the first international break of the season, like the first four Premier League games, the Super Cup. They just wanted to kind of get through it given all the injuries. And if they weren't playing brilliantly, that was all right. They just wanted to kind of do as well as they could and get the points on the board and crack on. But funnily enough, I thought those four performances were better than the second four performances, um, which obviously were West Ham. Forest, they were great until the red card, and then obviously Wolves and, and Arsenal and everything, for obvious reasons, kind of fell apart. But in those first four performances, they were very good, and Kovacic was very good. Um, and since then, yeah, not, not so much. Um, I mean, look, I, there is no real reason for that, just in terms of how it looked when he wasn't playing well. He just... He didn't get into the game as much, and when he did, he was he was losing the ball. It wasn't so much rushing it, but he was just kind of just lost it too easily. Like he'd be hassled off it quite easily. Whereas Nunes was, I don't know, he was losing it very easily. But like giving the ball away, like that even like was it in the it was in the second half, wasn't it? Where he just stepped over the ball, expecting Haaland to be behind him, and like Haaland wasn't behind him. Yeah. Like whatever you do, you're losing the ball. But oh, Kovacic was just kind of losing it under pressure quite a lot. Yeah, there was a few moments with Nunes where I just felt like um, it wasn't necessarily it, it wasn't necessarily his ability or his positioning or anything like that. It was much more um, a case of uh, the decision that he's made is just not the right decision. There was one that that really stood out in the first half um, when he got in on the left hand side, and I think he had a cutback to Haaland uh, on in the box, and instead of playing it along the ground to uh, the back of the box where Haaland was. It was like he hadn't got his head up and he kind of like smashed it across the, the face of goal. I think the keeper got a, um, a hand on it and it went out for a, a City throw-in. But it was like he was trying to take the shot on from a narrow angle and it just like, it felt like, it, it felt like he got into such a good position. It was such a good um, kind of piece of movement to get himself there. And then it's like, just you just need to make a better decision there. It's not, a, it's it, like there's not a lot more to it than just make a better choice. Yeah, there's a couple of things. There was the start of the second half as well. He had, Docu on the overlap, um, and he he didn't play him in. And he, I think he had a shot, and it was like he just obviously played to the guy on the overlap there. Um, but then I think so. You know when just after Harlan scored the pen, Docu did get put in down the right, and he crossed it to the back post, and Harlan missed somehow. They only showed one replay of it, and it wasn't like a great replay. But like how I don't know how he physically missed it, especially yeah. considering it's him and he's so good. But I'm, oh, I'm pretty sure that ball. Sudoku in behind was Nunes and there were a couple of things in the second half when I was like you know when you kind of get used to you know who the players are just by their kind of body language now they carry themselves and the boots they wear and like, like Grealish how he wears his socks and all that kind of stuff but like Nunes I'm still kind of getting used to it um, and you know, who's, who's that who's just carried the ball really well and he goes oh it was Nunes and you go okay that was good um, funnily enough you mentioned about the positioning Guardiola said he didn't stick to his position in the first half like he wasn't even asked about Nunes it was just one of those things like this is in my head I'm going to say it and so he, he didn't stick to his position in the first half which is obviously more of a kind of you need to understand our game a bit more um, but he said he helped us win the game in the second half and again maybe that's a kind of sugarcoating it a bit because there were you know I did make a note like, there, there were good things that he did um, just to kind of counterbalance in some way the bad stuff but I, I didn't think it was a good performance overall but again like when we talked about Doku's debut against Fulham it's like well we can talk about him being a crap performance but as long as we're not saying he's a bad player and it's a terrible signing then it's fine because it's understandable if it's going to be a bad performance because it's early days 
And again, if Guardiola's saying he didn't stick to his position, then it highlights it even more, doesn't it? He just needs to get what he's supposed to do and where he's supposed to be. And okay, maybe it's a bit more concerning in terms of we can't put him in straight away and we go back to that those kind of tiers of trust. And if he's not at it yet in terms of his positioning, then he's going to be more towards the bottom, isn't he? Um, God, I just, I just thought, I wonder how close to Calvin Phillips that would I hmm. could actually get. Um, but yeah, didn't didn't play especially well. But there 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 were some flashes in there, and again, there's plenty of people who who kind of need to learn their their positions and their patterns and stuff. Yeah, it, when they come to when they come to City, and he, he's not certainly not the first. It's just it, it, I guess it just kind of illustrates the the change that City are going through at the moment, doesn't it? Though in in that case, in that um, yeah, exactly. like all of the options that City have for like the centre of of, of, of uh, midfield and just playing slightly ahead of Rodri, you know, Kovacic and Nunes, both of them have to learn and they're, they're kind of learning on the job as it goes so far this season. And, you know, you as much as, as they are learning on the job, it's, you know, um, what are they, a couple of points off, off the top of the league and, you know, three from three in the Champions League. It's yeah, exactly, like, it's, yeah. it's going all right for a team that is learning on the job. Yeah, exactly. So it's a bit of a spoiler for the article I'm working on for the weekend because, look, it's a Manchester derby, so... Editors suddenly want articles before games. It's like, well, would we have done this normally? And that's what I was like. So the question was, what's interesting about City at the moment? And I was like, what was it? Well, there's a few stats floating around about their XG. And I know some people just switch off and kind of when you put it like that, you think, fuck it. But that, I saw another one again this morning, so Wednesday morning, and it was like their it was like their ninth in the table XG wise. There was one the other day. It was like this is their lowest XG since Guardiola's first season. Um, there was one after the Arsenal game; they created or had a lower XG than Everton, and he's, and obviously, like you think XG, XG are fine, but it's like if they're creating fewer chances than Everton, and they're low, and it's set against the fact that City are always like bossing those stats. That's like one of the underpinning stats. To if you had to like make a case in numbers for City's dominance. It would just be their XG is always amazing. Um, like even, again, I'm kind of sceptical of it because there's three different websites I looked at and everyone's got a different XG model. So City's numbers are different. Everyone's numbers yeah. are different depending on what website you're looking at. And like, again, I wanted to make that point that City have always had the best XG. But then on Opta, the year Liverpool won it. Was it the year Liverpool won yeah. it? Yeah. No, it wasn't. It was... It was the season after they had Liverpool having more XG, but on FB ref, City had more XG. But the year that Liverpool did win it, and I don't think Optus stats went back this far, it's a bit of a pain in the ass. but Liverpool had something like 62.8 XG or something, and City had 92. Yeah, I remember I remember um, chatting to Richard Jolly about it because on expected goals for, expected goals against, and expected points... City were better than Liverpool in the nineteen twenty season, but like when you watch the games, Liverpool were just better than City. Yeah, and and again, it kind of shows the limitations of it, but it does because that was the season, wasn't it? When it was the City have won the XG, they had loads of those games, didn't they? Yeah. When they didn't actually create too many, they didn't always create good chances, but sometimes they did and they missed them. Spurs, Spurs that to... season was ridiculous. They like yeah, over, yeah. over the oh, that two all draw at the Etihad. Spurs, I, I never forget this. Spurs had an XG of zero point yes. zero seven. Yeah, it was mad. Yeah, exactly. Scored twice. Exactly. Yeah, and one of them was like really long range 
weird. Did Edison mess up? Yeah. For Lucas. So even then, so even it goes back to winning the XG, you could always rely, even when City were kind of, in inverted commas, bad, because they weren't terrible that season, but we know anyway. They were winning the XG. And now it's like, okay, so why is it so low? Uh, and we've already talked about a big factor there um, at the start about the injuries and they wanted to survive the first four games. And then the second four games went a bit belly up with Rodri's red card. and Fine, okay. So there's, there's reasons like that. But like you say there, it's like it's just new players coming in and new players having to come in and do more um, than expected because of other players being injured. And I was speaking to somebody about it earlier and they were saying they've had to come up with new playing circuits, like playing patterns in the way they would like Carl Walker playing on the right wing and Foden coming inside. Like that's just because Guardiola, we've, and again, I think we've talked about this. Well, we have in terms of Guardiola finding solutions because he can just keep going, okay, well, we'll do this and we'll do this and we'll make it work. And it's almost like a safety net. Like you can have, I'm wary of using other teams as examples because I don't know, I don't know. But like when a Liverpool have a bad season, it just goes out the window completely, doesn't it? Yeah. And like, I don't think you can even compare United to be fair because United aren't anywhere near the high points to have the low points. But um, I think you just see with other teams, it, it can just really get away from them. But City have just got a kind of inbuilt safety net of Guardiola's tactical plans and so many flexible players that even when things aren't, going brilliantly and you can go back to 19-20 or you can go back to last season start, at the start last season, when, yeah. you, when people were like well, what's, what's going on here like, there's not, you can't quite put your finger on it because if you could put your finger on it City would be really making a mess of it but they, they were they were fine they were just a bit less potent efficient I suppose yeah, yeah potent efficient like fluid whatever but Guardiola was finding those solutions and obviously in the end it clicked and now we've got that similar situation um, and and like you said, considering all the the injuries and the new players coming in, um, they're 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 making a good fist of it. And again, the defensive in terms of X, XGA, which is expected goals against, they're they're still you know best in the league. Um, so again, that's a bit of a safety net as well. You know, even though if, even though they just don't really keep clean sheets, yeah, they keep conceding not, that pesky they're goal. Con- they're not conceding a lot of a lot of chances in games they're not really like hanging on and again against Leipzig there was that period where you think oh bloody hell and then they just kind of rode it out within about 10 minutes and again tonight there was the 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 resurgence from young boys after City went ahead and then they just stamped it out again I'm just um, running through you know all, all those um, like just in my head those pesky goals that City have conceded this season like Kyle Walker had a meltdown at uh, Sheffield United yeah. gave a goal away um, deflected as well deflect, yeah um, Arsenal um, like it goes in off Ake's oh, face yeah. like complete like not a complete fluke but moment of good fortune um, yeah, yeah. the the Red Star one um, where like just totally against the run of play fortunate bounce in the middle guy goes clean through um, like even tonight like it's I, I know he's clean through one on one with Edison but it's a hell of a finish and it's just like like all these like little moments where um, you say, well, on another day, fine, he probably probably doesn't bury that one. No, although they were talking about that because I, I was supposed to go to Switzerland, but I had to I had to pull out because whatever. Um, so I just watched it on TV, and afterwards, that Joe Cole was highlighting. Well, he said anyway, Edison was kind of made up the striker's mind for him, you know, pushing too far up the pitch, um, and you think, oh, that was the issue at the start of the year, which is obviously he has improved on. But I don't know. Maybe he thought. Maybe he panicked, or maybe he didn't judge how far the ball was 
going to carry and thought it was going to come closer to him or whatever. But yeah, fine. It was it was an unbelievable finish. Um, but yeah, you're right. There's a lot, a lot of those goals in there. Again, like you look at it, and I've seen people complaining about it on Twitter. I've seen people complaining about it on the athletic Q and A. And it's one of those things, I suppose, as a fan, you want to like rail against. And as a journalist, you want to go, oh, what's going on here? But it's like, I'm not really sure there's like... Much I don't of think a there's pattern. a matchup. Yeah, there's no pattern, I don't think. Like the only thing I was thinking was, you know, the second balls this season. Are City a bit worse on them? Or are they just not falling? And that's that's football, because obviously that's how second balls work some of the time. And then when I was thinking of that, I was thinking the West Ham game was probably... You'll probably be able to tell me another one. But I think the West Ham game was the one where there was more chances. You know, we just said a minute ago, City generally, they might concede one per game, but they're not conceding loads of chances. They're not having loads of issues. But I think the West Ham game was the one where there was a few more where you think, oh, bloody hell, they are hanging on a bit here. But again, that was I, I generally think that was the the exception. And again, tonight, in terms of this performance, with all the with all the changes, it was absolutely fine. And again, so I've to have the team having a bit of a comeback and then score. Because, you know, we talk about Guardiola wanting to limit teams having corners and free kicks and that to get the crowd up. No, it was a good crowd, seen from what I could tell. And they did actually, never mind a corner or a, or a set piece, they scored a goal. And then City just went, actually, no, come on, we'll, we'll, we'll go back again, reassert our dominance on the game and do what we need to do. And again, to, to do that with all those changes was was very, very impressive. Coming up after a short ad break, we're going to continue to review the win against Young Boys, looking in particular at how good it was in light of the changes City made. See you shortly. Let Me Talk is sponsored by you, the listeners. The best way to support the podcast is by subscribing via Memberful. You can pay as little as £2 per month, which gives you early access to all our podcasts ad-free, and they're packed with even more content. That gives you even more minutes of us to fill up your week. Subscribing is really easy and the longer episodes will integrate seamlessly with your podcast app of choice, be it Spotify or Apple. Head over to lmtpod.com for more information on signing up and links to all of our socials. Just a word on the rotation then generally, because um, it, it strikes me that we've, well, certainly I've said this a lot in, in the last few years, is that um, I'm kind of done with people being surprised when City get knocked out of cup competitions, having made eight changes because you know the players are not in rhythm. Because I've been watching Guardiola's football for you know what seven eight years now, and you kind of get used to the idea that it is about rhythm and it's not about oh you've just got a a, a, a selection of um, eleven great players there because you could name whatever team you want of of City squad and it should be on paper good enough to win any yeah. game that well, it it's plays. Not just City, that's everyone, um, isn't it? Yeah, but but and so you end up in a situation where like you can kind of sense a, a bad performance or a bad result coming because you you see the team sheet and go oh well he's made eight changes that's that's you know they're they're not going to be in a good uh, in a good rhythm for that and then you look at the team sheet for for young boys he made seven changes and like you said it just didn't seem like anything had changed it, it like it, it just felt fine yeah yeah uh, that's why I thought it was good and again. Like the the questions to Pep, I can't remember the exact wording, but it may, and I may be confusing this with the one from the press conference at Brighton at the weekend, when it was, did he make that hard for himself at the end? But I think it it was along those lines. It may have even been the same question, but even if it wasn't, it was a kind of, oh, was that harder than it should have been? It may have been, was that harder than it should have been? And Guardiola went no. And again, maybe he was overrigging the pudding a bit, but he was like, that was an exceptional performance, and he kept saying like positionally, like their positional play was really good. And I wonder if, because like, that's just what City have always done. That is literally the model that they use, the positional play. And, you know, it's just a foundation thing. It's like saying our passing was really good. Well, of course it is. Like, it always is. But I wonder if he was making that point 
because of all the changes. Yeah. And it wasn't really, it wasn't square pegs in round holes, which it kind of has been like a little bit earlier in the season. But yeah, I just wonder if you made that point because of that. But yeah, overall, generally, like, again, just that expectation of, oh, it, again, so watching it on the TV, there was a spell. Well, it was the spell in the second half. Maybe it was one or maybe it was before. And again, the commentator was like, City, you're having to do some defending here. And it's like, why are you so surprised about like, <laughs> if it's not 6-0, it seems just like a massive surprise. And even afterwards, when they were going through the highlights, it was just kind of like, oh, well, they didn't do this very well. It's like, fuck me. Like, yeah. it is a game of football, you know. And look, I know City are the best team by miles, and I know young boys, comparatively, are no good. But, like, it is a game of football. Like, these things do happen. And again, with the changes as well, like, do you not do you not think there might even be, like, five dodgy minutes? It's just, it's just such a weird kind of way of calling a game. Yeah, it's, it was... It kind was... of just backs into this idea that... No wonder, you know, if City draw or lose a game, everyone, everyone's digging around for reasons because they're sitting at home watching it, and commentators are getting surprised if they're conceding a fucking shot on target. Yeah, it was uh, the, the the one of the closing statements was you, you're left wondering who's going to stop City as if they'd not just been as if they'd not just lost two games on the on the spin sort of thing. It's like you know they can lose a football game every now and then. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Speaking of things that can happen, um, Harlan's missing chances like there's no tomorrow. He's still got two, but um, he's uh, he's yeah. doing his best to to uh, really really put um, a fight up against those numbers, isn't he? Um, there's no no longer really the sense of inevitability that you used to get when he's when he's through at the moment. Um, that is that is. I was going to say that exact same thing. Um, it was that kind of Harland is inevitable thing last season, wasn't it? But like he isn't now. Um, not that he's no good now, but. When he goes through on goal, you just like there was that one. There was that great, great bit of team play with about what 13, 14 minutes left, something like that. So when Lewis put him through, and it, yeah, exactly. And then he just he didn't take it first time. Did he tried to go round him, and then as soon as he tried to go round him, it was like, well, that's gone now. Like that's it was just it was just a bad choice. And you think, I suppose it was slightly different. But the goal when he broke the Premier League record last year against West Ham again, it was slightly different. But he just dinked it straight over. Fabianski mm. and it, it's just that kind of thing where everything was just so first time but then again it's strange and like Rico Lewis was asked about it and he was like it's just like every other striker like the question was does he look anxious and he was like he's like every other striker he scored two goals tonight and people i.e. you are saying he looks anxious and it's, it's that, it is a weird one isn't it like Guardiola's obviously when he's just not getting into it at all in terms of are you concerned or anything and it's difficult to it's difficult to really go too deep on it because he he did score two. Although I suppose the penalty was fairly lucky in terms of good height for a goalkeeper trademark. Um, but again, the, the goal he did score from open play was unbelievable. Mm. Like where's he, where's he got that from? Um, so it's just it's just strange all round at the moment. Like the, the goals he has been scoring have been very good, but he is missing. Like he's kind of scoring goals that I don't know, like kind of nicer and some better goals than last season but the ones he's missing he just didn't happen last season either I suppose the easiest thing to say and the most obvious thing to say is he was never always going to stay at that high level and I suppose we knew that we should have known that because he finished the last season with very few goals compared to like the seven or eight months before that so it shouldn't have been a surprise, really. But again, because I think this is something Lewis said, 
because of how many goals he scored last season and the expectations he set for himself, um, there's a lot of scrutiny on him. You know, he scores twice and we're having a conversation about, oh, he should have got more. Yeah. Um, but again, there is that feeling that he should have got more because... Because he should have got more. The chances, is, the chances he that so he passed good, up the, on... Were, the chances were, were good. Yeah. Again, that one... That one um, the one that Doku slid to the far post in the second half. I don't know. I don't know. I always missed it again, but I literally don't know because the the replays were shit. Again, the replay wasn't great of um, Young Boys goal. So why were they so disorganised there? Like they didn't show a replay of enough of the passage of the game to work that out. Um, and there was one in the first half when he, it was one of these kind of kung fu acrobatic attempts. And I, one of the reasons I mentioned it is because Grealish created two really good chances in the first half. Um, and somebody was on Twitter telling me that. He'd been rubbish. I was like, <laughs> like he was. He was really good. Like that was one of the best, greatest performances in a while. Mm. Um, which again, it, it it made me laugh because uh, our mate John. Did you see his? Did you see John's tweet in the first half? Because he's not really a big Grealish fan, but it was like, is this is this Grealish's best performance since Peterborough in the fifth round of the FA Cup two years ago? Was something <laughs> like that? Just uh, which which made me laugh. But like he was, he was good. He did create chances, and then and then again, it was it was odd. I suppose it was only odd in the sense that we've never seen Grealish on the right wing. I was going to ask what you made of them switching wings. Switched over. Yeah, well, I suppose what I made of it is Doku's just better on the left, isn't he? From what we've seen so far. And look, he's played on the right before he came to City. I think most of the time he played on the right. So I'm sure he'll get there. Guardiola said the other day, when he was talking about both of them, when I asked him, he said maybe it's a bit awkward for Doku playing on the left. But I think everybody would agree. He's been well. He just—it's just fact, isn't it? He's been much better, much more effective. Looks more comfortable, more of a threat um, when he is um, on the left. And there's no obvious reason for that, especially because he played so much on the right previously. But also because, as we know, he's very capable of beating a man either side. So it's not like oh well, he just runs to the byline and cuts it back, and he's better at doing that on the left because he can do that on the right. So I'm, I thought it was interesting that we don't know the tactical reasons behind it or any other reasons behind it. Um, I thought it was interesting that it needed to happen or Guardiola felt it needed to happen and it was kind of at the expense of moving Grealish somewhere else but again maybe that's just a kind of it was the theme of the night wasn't it it was try, not so much trying things out but it was giving people a run out and testing testing them in certain roles I suppose and like we say with Nunes not knowing his his positionings, I guess, putting Grealish on the on the left. And we had an email about that during the game from Michael Novak about um, Grealish and his positions, saying that, you know, everyone else is pretty versatile, but he generally only plays on the left. And it wasn't necessarily a criticism. It sounds like it the way I've, I've read it out. And I've, I wrote an article recently about all the various different positions that so many of the City players can play. But then there's what? There's... There's Rodri really, you know, he's obviously comfortable in more advanced areas, but Rodri plays older midfield. Yeah, you, you wouldn't dare move him, yeah. Yeah, Diaz plays centre-back, Haaland plays striker, Grealish plays left wing. Everyone else, basically, can do two or three different things at the very least. Um, so, yeah, with Grealish, uh, but then the email goes on to say, what about playing him as a as an inside, got more of a number eight? And annoyingly, although I suppose it's an opportunity to go back, the guy I was speaking to earlier on about, you know, City's relatively low XG and all that kind of stuff. And I, I did send him a message previously, maybe during one of our podcasts about what's what's the latest on him being used as a number eight Grealish. And I didn't get an answer. Um, so I might be able to go back on that. But it, I don't know. I was going to say, if it feels like it hasn't happened yet, then it probably won't. But 
Grealish hasn't really been used even on the left, has he? So mm. I suppose there wouldn't have been much will from Guardiola, I suppose, to to use him down the middle. But um, I thought he was again. If we're looking at if we're looking at Grealish coming back to his best form, which we talked about at the weekend, and Guardiola kind of saying he, he wasn't there yet, then that was a an encouraging performance, certainly in the first half. Um, I thought again, Doku. I thought Doku once he moved to the left was better again. Um, but then when he moved back to the right in the second half, um, he looked okay, not as not as threatening. But then he was in good positions, and like I say, he should have had an assist for Haaland. Um, so yeah, um, but again, it's, it's all the kind of talk, which obviously we've contributed to. I think we contributed to it because you can you can see the debate among the fans. And in fact, this is something that the guy I was speaking to today said, like the the stuff about you know Grealish and Doku is just absolute bollocks on Twitter. Like Pep's very happy with the variety in the squad and the options he's got. And again, after the kind of either or discussion at the weekend and who's like he should be doing this and this guy is no good and blah blah goes and on Wednesday night plays them plays them both and they've won yeah plays them both on on opposing wings um, but yeah it's interesting isn't it because hmm, somebody said Doku looks much better on the left and that's probably going to cost him towards the end of the season and it's like I, I don't know because he's he has got the potential to to play on the right and get better on the right, but also like maybe it costs Grealish, you know, like Grealish is the one who can only play in the one position compared to Doku, so maybe it affects him. And like we said on the last podcast, if it gets to a a stage in the season where the midfield is Rodri, De Bruyne, Kovacic, Bernardo's on the right wing, Haaland up front, you could play Doku on the left for a bit more thrust because the balance is still there from others. Um, so it's an interesting one to see how, how it. To see how it develops during the season, but Doc is perfectly capable of improving on the right, and Grealish is perfectly capable of getting back to the standard of last season, possibly getting better. Um, and if they don't, then good old-fashioned competition for places. And I'm sure Bernardo will have right wing lockdown actually sooner rather than later. But maybe he comes inside, and there'll be something else to consider. That is it for the free version of Let Me Talk. There is more for members, though. Go over to lmtpod.com if you want to sign up for those longer ad-free episodes. Sam, what are members getting for this one? Yeah, there's some clips from Guardiola over the past few days and his different thoughts on different things, including the idea that he first suggested about complacency following the treble, but then his answer from midweek suggesting that there isn't any. So we try and put our fingers on if there is any complacency and if there is, what can they do about it? Head over to lmtpod.com. Get in touch with your questions and comments. Uh, We're on Twitter at lmtpod. You can search for lmtpod on Instagram and TikTok as well. Also email us hello at lmtpod.com. Sam, thank you very much. Thank you very much. It's the Derby next. We'll see you after that.